You're listening to the Namaste Babe podcast, a high vibe hangout for the spiritually woke woman ready to make quantum leaps in her life, business, and bank account. I'm your host, Kiki Yura, and I refuse to play by the rules. I'm an X9 to Fiber turned spiritual life and business coach, master NLP practitioner, and founder of the Namaste Babe brand. I'm here to lead you into your divinity so you can manifest a life and business you are wildly obsessed with. Each week, you can expect episodes from myself and guest experts who are leaders in their field. The episodes are dedicated to your expansion on all things mindset, money, and manifestation. It is my intention that these episodes help you raise your vibration, tune into your truth, and step into a life you fucking love. Are you ready? Let's slay. What is going on, Namaslayers? Happy Wednesday. So strange to be coming at you on a Wednesday. But this is a special bonus, just like fun, lighthearted episode. Um, We are officially celebrating the year anniversary of the Namaste Babe podcast. And I am freaking out a bit. I cannot believe it has been 365 days. 52 weeks. We are here. When I first started this podcast, I really didn't think I was going to be able to make it this long, but it's really, and I think I said this in last week's episode, is that it's it's a testament to you guys. I am so grateful at the love and the support and just everything that this podcast has received and it flabbergasts me that you guys are here and tuning in every week to listen to what I have to say. (laughs) So it's the year anniversary. I wanted to do something just kind of special to celebrate. Um, I am celebrating all of you because last week I had asked you guys to share, to make sure that we could get to 22,000 downloads by today. And we surpassed it on Monday, which is so exciting. So 22 on 11.11, even though it's not quite, you know, we did it early, but still the fact that we're at 22,000, we are actually so close to 22,222. So by the end of today, I have no doubt that we are going to surpass that, which is like really, really cool to me on 11.11. And you guys all know my affinity for angel numbers. So of course we made this happen, right? And to hit you with even more angel numbers, I am coming in here, I am showing up and I'm giving you 11 fun facts about me to celebrate 11.11, to celebrate the one year all of the ones going on today, okay? So this, like I said, is just a fun little episode. Some of these things you might know about me if you, uh, you know, if you've known me a really long time. Some of these things might be brand new. So regardless, um, I wanted this to just serve as a way to get to know me better. There are so many new listeners here. Uh, The last time I counted, we were in 70 countries, like, what? What? We've made it to some really interesting places like Guam and Zimbabwe and Georgia, like Georgia the country, not Georgia the state. So really, really cool. Like I said, it is an honor and I am just so grateful for you guys. I am honored that you come in here every week. You are showing up and listening, like I said, to what I have to say. It's 
really something that I don't take for granted. I don't take it lightly that, you know, I'm here and I've been given this platform and so many ears to listen to my knowledge and my voice and all of the people that I bring on to the episode. So without further ado, here are 11 fun facts about me. Number one, I know you guys have all been waiting for it, so I'm just going to do it. I debated whether I would ever tell you guys this, but obviously Kiki is not my real name. (laughs) It was bestowed upon me in first year university, second year university, and growing up, I never had a nickname because I was already called the nickname of my full name. So Nikki is the name that I grew up with. And it was just really, I remember in like elementary school, probably like actually like junior high into high school, all of my friends started getting nicknames and mine was already a nickname. I think I got like Knickers or Nicks, which yeah, it was okay. But I remember I wanted something like really cool as a nickname. And then one night, uh, my roommate in university got really drunk and she got a little dyslexic with her letters. And instead of calling me Nikki, she called me Nikiki. Because Nikki is spelled N-I-K-K-I. So she got all the letters jumbled in her head and it came out in a very slurred version of Nikiki. And I just kind of rolled with it. I liked it. I was like, you know, you can't call me Nikiki, but you could either call me Nikki or you can call me Kiki. And Kiki just kind of stuck. So that is how my nickname came about. And for all of those of you who are wondering, you know, obviously Nikki is a short form of Nicole, but my full, full name is actually, it's been so difficult. (laughs) We always joke that I'm in the witness protection program because I have so many names. Uh, My full legal birth certificate name is Allison Nicole Yura. So that is who I am. That is me. It is actually really, I love the Allison part because it's A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, which not too many people spell it like that. So I love my name, but I really do love Kiki. I feel like it just, it suits me. It, it's funny because the, the more that I am in this business and I am, you know, I've always had my business as Nikki or sorry, as Kiki with my name. And when I do hear people say Nikki, it almost like triggers me a little bit. I'm like, that's not who I am anymore. So I don't know. I've kind of been thinking about possibly putting Kiki as like a legal part of my name as well. Uh, but oddly enough, I looked up the meaning of the name Kiki the other day, and it turns out that Kiki stands for a new life, a new beginning, which I just thought was so serendipitous to just that that trans that time in my life and how with my new life and my new beginning with my business you know Kiki's always been part of that and it was just like beautiful and symbolic so that is fun fact number one about me fun fact number two I am actually adopted so I was the result of a one-night stand And my birth mother was 21 at the time that she got impregnated with me. And she 
had no, like she knew that she couldn't keep me, which I am like forever grateful, forever indebted to her for the life that she gave me. But at the time, she had an older sister who was, you know, married and trying to get pregnant and was having difficulty getting pregnant. And so my birth mother called up her sister and was like, will you adopt my baby? I'm pregnant. And she said, yes. And so I have an aunt who is my mom and my mom who is my aunt. That is how I grew up my entire life. It was really cool. My my mom, my adoptive mother, but the woman that I call mom, uh, ended up going on to having two other children that were by blood related to her and my dad. And my dad, you know, adopted me along with my mother. And yeah, so that is fun fact number two about me. Uh, I was starting to get like really uh, strained for things to figure out like fun facts about me. I'm sure if I thought harder and longer, I could come up with cooler things. But I have a cool party trick. And this is probably the least fun fact about me, so I put it in the middle. Um, I have double jointed elbows. (laughs) So the inner parts of my elbows actually point forward. And I can turn my wrists like almost I'd say probably like 180 degrees, which is kind of cool. Not everyone can do that. And if you ever notice in my, you're going to notice it now that I've said it, but in my Instagram photos, if you ever see me with like my arms up, you can actually see that when they point up in the air, my elbows invert a little bit. (laughs) So it's like a minor kind of tip of a triangle at the elbow part. It's, it's interesting. So that's fun fact number three about me. Uh, number four, you guys know this. I am a dog lover through and through. While I have no qualms with cats, I am, I am forever a dog person. And my, even like my very first stuffed animal was a dog and I aptly named him dog. (laughs) Uh, still have dog to this day. He usually sits on a bookshelf. Um, I have not, I don't want to say replaced him, but I have upgraded to a fuller, longer version of a pig, a stuffed pig that you guys will probably see in photos or on my Instagram stories from time to time. This one's more like a body pillow. So it just, you know, I cuddle with it every night. Yes, I am 33 years old and have a stuffed animal that I sleep with every night. It's like the one thing that I look forward to um, after, you know, months of travel, I get really excited for my bed and I get really excited to come home and cuddle Moo, which is the Thai name for pig. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so dog lover through and through. I actually have technically three dogs. Um, While the majority of you all know Shadow, my my shadow boy as, you know, my my favorite thing in this world, uh, a.k.a. the goober puppy. Uh, Many of you don't know that there was a love in my life prior to the goobs. Her name is Lily and she is a princess. She is a golden retriever. We lovely and fondly call her the oldie goldie. And she was my very first pet. I actually never had a pet growing up. We did not get her until I was about 19 or 20. 
And so when she came along, it was a very big deal, like a very, very big deal. She just was the light in our lives that we were missing. And since then, uh, my family has gone on to get another dog who is a Labradoodle. She is absolutely certifiably crazy. Her name is Piper. So if you ever see them when I'm at home in Toronto, if you ever see them in my stories, those Piper was definitely not a first love. <laughs> but she is she is growing on me as the days go on. Okay, number Five. Another thing you might not know about me is that I was actually a dancer for 16-ish years. You know, I started right when I could walk and I am trained in ballet, jazz, modern slash contemporary acrobatics and hip hop. I used to do all the things. I even went to a performing arts high school for three years. And yes, before you can even think about it, it is exactly what you would think. I'm not even kidding. One day at lunch, there was a legit flash mob that broke out into uh, fame, like the fame song, theme song in our cafeteria at lunch. Like it was crazy. Uh, so even when I went off to university, I took a dance, um, a dance like elective. And recently (laughs) I've been getting back into TikToks because I just, I love dancing so much movement and the body and just like, it helps to release energy and it's just so beautiful. So for a couple years, I did kind of lose my way away from dancing, but it is one of my very first passions and things that I loved was was dance and even you know what like when I look for a partner I look for someone who can dance because I absolutely love just like dancing around in the kitchen I'll do like cartwheels randomly um it's always fun to like get a new perspective I will randomly just go and do a handstand against a wall or like I said a cartwheel or whatever just to to flip myself and you know see the world from a new lens so that is something that's very important to me is dance number six this is a fun one this is my one of my craziest travel stories So if you guys know me for any amount of time, you guys know that travel is my life. And as of the date of this podcast recording, I have traveled to 44 countries. I have visited, I think, about 50% of the United States. And the majority, the only province I haven't yet been to in Canada is uh, Newfoundland and Labrador and the territories. That's it. So I've been, I've covered a good chunk of this earth and I'm so excited to see more of it. But when I was 24, I booked my very first solo trip. I broke up with my toxic ex for the umpteenth time and booked a round trip ticket to Asia for three weeks. And after the first week that I was there, I canceled my ticket home and stayed, I think, a total of like seven weeks. So I started in Malaysia. I worked my way up to Thailand and then I went back down to Bali and then up to Thailand again. And when I arrived in Bali, I was supposed to arrive the day before and got very inebriated the night before my flight and did not set my alarm for 
you know, 7.30 a.m. I set it for 7.30 p.m. and actually got to the airport as they had closed the gate. Like I was on the minute of, you know, that 45 minute window or that hour long window. And I missed I missed my flight and I cried. I was 24. It was my first time traveling alone. I, oh my goodness, it was such an experience. So the guy, he was like, miss, miss, please don't cry. Um, got me on the ticket, on the plane the next day. So I went back to my hostel and waited, you know, waited a day. I actually had the worst food poisoning of my life that I had probably to the state has have ever had uh so I literally just like curled up in the fetal position the entire night luckily the bathroom was right outside my hostel door (laughs) and the next morning I was off I was fine it passed and I went to Bali and when I arrived in Indonesia pro tip of traveling by the way if you're ever going to a new place always make sure that you're arriving in the daylight especially if you're traveling by yourself Uh, so I saw this guy with a Canadian flag on his backpack and I was super excited because, uh, you know, I didn't really know my way around and I said, Hey, you know, I was really cheap at the time. So I said, Hey, can we like split a cab? Would you be interested in that? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Me and my girlfriend, we're going to go to our hostel and then we'll drop you off at yours. Okay, great. So we get in a cab and we come to find out that cabs actually can't get through the city because it is the Hindu New Year's Eve. So the following day was going to be Niepi, which was a complete day of silence. And that was a whole other story in itself. But what had happened was what this this guy failed to mention was that he actually hadn't booked his hostel at that point. So we start walking around aimlessly and they are just looking. They're going to hostel to hostel to hostel. Finally, after about an hour and a half or two of walking around, I said, fuck it. I'm, I can't do this. And I'm wearing my pack. I'm getting, you know, burn on my shoulders because I'm wearing a sleeveless shirt. And we finally come up on this like triplex of buildings. So I look at this guy. There's a security guard there. And I said to him, do you know this address? I showed him the address in my notes. And he he says, oh, yes, yes, I'll, I'll take you. And I said, OK, great. How much? And he told me how much it came out to like five dollars Canadian. I was like, sure, great. And then he points me to his colleague who does not speak a lick of English. And he says, this man will take you. <laughs> Remember when you were young and dumb and invincible, right? <laughs> So I was like, okay. So, you know, of course, like I mentioned before, cabs couldn't get through the streets. So this man had a motorbike and I was like, this is amazing. This is my my problem solving and I will get the motorbike to take me to where I need to go. So we're, we're cruising along. Everything's great. I'm on the back of this guy's bike and I remember just taking everything in they had this massive party in the streets we're like zipping by everyone everyone is living life to their fullest and then all of a sudden we take a very sharp right turn and it gets really dark really quick and really quiet really quick and 
people lights are going away people are going away and all of a sudden I see my life like pretty much flash before my eyes and I think to myself how would I throw myself off this bike of course you are a young solo female traveler you start to think the worst and you all of my women know this if there are any men listening to this this is what women deal with on a regular basis So, of course, I start thinking I'm going to be raped and pillaged and all of these things. And I think this went on for about 10 minutes. It was the longest 10 minutes of my life. And then we, like, start to slowly creep up back into lights and I see other traffic. And I'm like, okay, I don't need to throw myself off the back of this bike. And all of a sudden, I see the this bright orange sign for this hostel, and I start smacking him on his shoulder. I'm like, Kayun Hostel, Kayun Hostel, over there. And he kind of just like cocked his head back. I mean, he had this this uh, helmet on, but I could tell he was like, uh, yeah, I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> because he had all the good intentions to get me there. <laughs> it was just me having my minor major meltdown and freak out so whatever I literally was shaking when we arrived I hugged this man I kissed him on the cheek I almost kissed the ground that I walked on and I just want to like preface this was way back before you know I didn't I brought my phone my physical phone out there with me but I didn't bring my sim card because you know all you needed was wi-fi right so I didn't have any means to communicate with people in an emergency situation in that moment like this was back when I feel like I'm dating myself this was back when internet cafes were like a really big thing so that was um one of the scariest slash craziest travel stories and the following day uh the hostel shut down we all ate the only legal drug that is available in Indonesia that is not punishable by death which is magic mushrooms and on a day of a silence uh I realize now in retrospect we were the most ethnocentric disrespectful unculturally aware people that could have ever existed on the planet and we were most certainly not quiet the police had to come in you know usually they roll around on motorbikes but because it's a day of silence they were riding around on bicycles and wielding machetes and they literally came into our hostel not one not twice but three times thrice and waved their very sharp pointy massive machetes at us and it was it was quite the day it was quite the day so that was my very first uh impression of bali (laughs) the other um you know on the other side of things the coolest experience of my life number seven of fun facts about kiki uh i once worked and went on tour with the rolling stones yes like the rolling stones went on tour with them. So for anyone who's curious about where my love of travel comes from, this is it. 
This is actually something I think I talked about in episode one, uh, but maybe you're new here. Maybe you are working, you know, from the most recent back. And uh, yeah, I was once employed by the Rolling Stones. So a lot of you, I haven't really ever like dove into this uh, this story, but I figured that this would be a really cool fun fact to include. So my dad has a friend who was a tour promoter for 30 some odd, if not 40 years. And uh, his other friend's wife used to work for this tour promoter. So I remember it was my mom's birthday and this was uh, back when I was taking a year off between high school and university. This was after they removed grade 13 and uh, a lot of kids would take leap years, right? Or not a leap year. Well, yeah, kind of like a leap year, a, a year off. And so the wife got wind of this. She was like the assistant, the secretary for this man. And she goes, oh, you know, the Stones are going back out on tour. You should go ask so-and-so and see if you can go. And I just like totally laughed her off, right? And totally thought it was a joke. I had no idea that this would even be a potential thing, let alone become a reality for me. And she had said to me, she goes, no, like so-and-so has a, a big clan of children, right? Uh, she or he takes them all out to so that they can spend time together when when the stones go on tour and they usually bring friends so you should go ask him <laughs> just like so casually well lo and behold a few months later was i not writing down all of my particulars and banking information onto a form filling out paperwork to become an employee of the rolling stones at the age of 19 might i mention <laughs> So that alone was a wild summer. Um, within the first, I think, 48 hours or 72 hours of me arriving in Italy, by the way, this was in Europe, uh, spent two months out going to, I think, 15 different countries in Europe. And within my first 72 hours, this was back in 2006, uh, Someone had said, I had no idea. I did not follow along with any European sports whatsoever. I had no idea how big of a deal this was. And someone said, oh, it's the World Cup. Let's go down to like the main square and watch. It's the final game of the World Cup. <laughs> Do we not realize at that time that Italy is playing in the World Cup and we are in the main square in Milan at the Duomo. So Italy just so happens to win. <laughs> that experience alone, we were on CNN actually, by the way. <laughs> we made it all the way back to Canada. Um, so that was just like the craziest experience. I think that entire two months was probably, my mom goes, I, I got really nervous for you going out there because I feared that, that you were going to peak with that experience. <laughs> I will never forget her saying that to me. She goes, I was really scared that you were going to peak. Oh, God bless her. Anyways, from there, it actually became my dream, fun fact number eight, to become a publicist. Uh, the day after the Stones tour ended, my flight got delayed coming home from, we were in Copenhagen in Denmark, I believe. And 
my flight leaving from there was delayed. We had to go, I think, to Frankfurt and then to Heathrow and then back to Toronto. And our flight from Frankfurt to Heathrow was delayed. And so we ended up missing. There was a group of Canadians and we all ended up missing our flight. And it was a long emotional day to begin with. But then I was supposed to be going like straight from the airport to my dorm room in university because Frosh Week was starting. This was like right as I was starting university. I hadn't packed anything. My mom packed my entire <laughs> like wardrobe and all of these things for me. God bless her. I love my mother. Uh, but it was such an interesting experience to have gone. It was like night and day, right? You go from living on a tour bus, traveling all over Europe to going back to school. I hated school. I hated school. It then very quickly became a huge waste of time for me. I was doing a double major in criminology and sociology. And only in my fourth year did I really discover um, this media side of university that I could have studied in. And I was like, oh, why? Why didn't I do this like my whole time? I think it was called MIT, Media Information and Technology or something like that. I was like, that is what I wanted to do. So anyways, I begged my parents to let me quit university. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to become a publicist, study public relations. And my parents were like, no, if you want to do that, you can come home and pay rent. So I was like, absolutely not. So I have this lovely $25,000 piece of paper that is absolutely useless. <laughs> and then I went on to do my postgrad in public relations. And that was a really cool experience because I had the opportunity to intern with like a media company in Toronto called Rogers. And I worked in their television department. And that that was a really, really cool experience. So from there, you know, they didn't hire me on. I ended up going back into the service industry, which <laughs> leads into number nine, which is the second coolest experience of my life. Um <laughs> I can't say his name for, you know, reasons, but uh, a Canadian heartthrob and I, an, an older Canadian heartthrob and I once had a little tryst. And I am rather lucky when it comes to celebrity run-ins. That was something I, th I used to think was really cool. Obviously, after the Stones tour, I met so many people um, just in that experience alone. Tommy Hilfiger, Johnny Depp, um... Oh my God, Devin, um, Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore when they were dating, Owen Wilson, the Jagger children, like so many of them. Uh, but also having been living in Toronto and working in the service industry, that granted me some pretty cool opportunities too. Um, you know, I had a dive bar run in in the bathroom with Mullen Ackerman and another bathroom incident where I almost plowed over Reese Witherspoon. She is so tiny. Uh, that was at a TIFF event, the, the Toronto International Film Festival. Funny enough, she apologized to me, which I thought <laughs> was adorable. She was so nice. Uh, but I, you know, there have been like so many random experiences that I've had with celebrity run-ins. Uh, my girlfriend and I were once invited after an LMFAO concert to their after party one where we were then propositioned with a foursome, you know, her and I with Sky Blue and Red Foo. <laughs> and no, 
No, we most certainly did not. I did not feel like getting tetanus or any other things (laughs) from that experience. But this one definitely takes the cake. Oh my goodness, this man is so handsome. So like, he has the bluest eyes. And I mean, he called me a rocket. So he he pretty much took the cake there. We ended up, he took my hand. A friend of mine introduced me to him. Um, we ended up going out to a bar and he like took my hand, uh, bought me drinks all night. It was so lovely. We had a great, you know, connection. <laughs> We both have a love for the Blue Jays, the the MLB team, for those of you who are maybe not Canadian or, you know, familiar with the Major League Baseball. Um, the Blue Jays are my jam. So this all happened. And then, you know, he invited me back to his hotel for an, an after post bar beverage nightcap. Um And yeah, I mean, the story goes on a little bit more, but it ended up with me realizing that he was married. And so I promptly removed myself from that situation, despite, you know what? He was actually super, super freaking cool about it. Um, Once once he realized I wasn't going to sleep with him, he he was so like perplexed because I'm sure that never happens. And he had said to me, uh, okay, okay, do you want, do you want to stay for a drink? (laughs) The most Canadian response ever. I was actually, it made me really like him, despite the fact that he was, you know, cheating on his wife. He, it made me, it made me really like him. So kudos to him. Uh, fun fact number 10 is that I actually, I used to be a night owl. So so many of you know me as the morning person, right? It has not always been that way. Going back to this whole like service industry thing, uh, a, a vast majority of my 20s were spent going to bed at 6 a.m., not getting up at 6 a.m. I remember coming home from the bar and like my partying days and and being at after parties and all of these things. And I remember, you know, doing that walk of shame at six or seven o'clock in the morning and people are out jogging and it just makes you feel like a big old POS, (laughs) like big time. Uh, so when I was working in the service industry, like those were my days. I actually vowed that I was never, ever, ever going to become a morning person yet here I am. And, you know, when I shifted into the nine to five, that was obviously a huge change for me. So, and that was what I wanted at the time. I really did want this consistency and this, this, you know, guaranteed income and all of these things, but I needed, I had no structure in my life with the service industry. I had no responsibility. And so a nine to five was going to provide me with that stability. And then, you know, I got involved with uh, network marketing and discovered my love of personal development. And that was the biggest game changer for me. And in the beginning, you know, it just started off with getting up a couple minutes earlier and meditating. It actually started when I first started my job. It was just getting up at the last possible second. There was no morning routine. There was no, I, I need personal development. I need to carve out time for myself. It was a, a slow burn. It really developed over time. And 
I remember starting with podcasts. Those were the things I had like a 45 minute drive to and from work. And those were the things that really got me through was like listening to podcasts and just working on my mental health and my, my mindset. And then I remember committing to like a meditation practice or working out first thing in the morning because I hated doing it at night. And I realized that the working out in the morning actually provided me with so much more energy throughout the day, especially when I was living up north and the days were very short. Uh, It was easy to feel exhausted very quickly and like seasonal effective and all of that stuff. So that was like a complete 180 for me was that I, I just dove into this world of personal development and I literally am forever hooked on early mornings now. I can't imagine, even on the days where I don't have to be up early, I think the latest that I get up is seven and on the weekends, maybe eight or nine, <laughs> unless I've had the occasional like long night out. But those are very few and far between these days. I even used to hate reading, which is crazy because I'm running a book club right now. I used to hate reading. And again, personal development just changed the game for me. If you are someone out there, you know, I used to have to read textbooks and I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. And I remember reading my very first personal development book was You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. And it was amazing. It was so, so amazing. Uh, So if you are into, you know, if you think you're not into reading, if you think you're not into early mornings, just, you know, never say never. Try, try something on. You'll, you'll be surprised with yourself. So number 11 is just kind of wrapping things up, wrapping everything together. A couple of my favorite things. So first and foremost, my relationship with pizza will probably be the most important one I ever have. Me and pizza go way back. My birth mother actually used to eat it all the time when she was pregnant with me. And my mom, on the other hand, when she was pregnant with my sister, craved broccoli. So I am stuck with affinity for pizza and my sister gets like the healthy broccoli or love love for broccoli and all the healthy things, which is hilarious. And yes, I am actually a pineapple on pizza kind of gal. Don't at me. I am also a lover of all things music. I absolutely cannot live without it. Uh, I start my mornings with music. I blast music in the car. I love, I mean, obviously I worked on tour with the Rolling Stones, but I could not live without music. I love anything. There's no genre in particular. Um, Two of my favorite bands, groups, artists, whatever you want to call them, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I grew up listening to classic rock. So many good, good things that my parents listened to that they just instilled in me. And also um, Atmosphere. So they are a uh, hip hop. I call them like philosophical hip hop. I don't think they call themselves that, but they really remind me of just good traditional hip hop with new age fused in there. I don't know exactly how to describe them, but I have been listening to them since I was 14. So almost two decades. They still go out. They still tour. I have had the opportunity to meet them. Um, I once saw that they were headlining the governor's ball in New York. I did not see any other artist who was playing. I just saw that they were going to be there and I bought a ticket like that second. 
It was one of the greatest experiences going out to New York. My girlfriend and I, um, Janaya actually, who I was just visiting in Vancouver, we went out together. We had a blast. It like deepened our friendship. It was, oh my God, we were reminiscing the other day about those memories. It was so much fun. Um, so Atmosphere, if you have not listened to them, they, like I said, they're this duo. They're from Minnesota. They are so, so cool. Um, if you listen to them, let me know. I am like, uh, I have such a love for them, but I listen to anything, anything that sounds good to me, anything that I can like bounce along to sing along to. I really, I do love pop music now because I just love getting in a high vibe. Right. But I listen to rock. I listen to metal. I listen to, you know, when I was in high school, uh, Tool and Corn and Linkin Park were some of my favorite bands. So I am all over the map musically. If it sounds good, I listen to it. You guys all know that I love, 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 love to travel, but I have an affinity for the sun and the heat. I traveled in 2018 to Israel for a birthright trip, and I was there in the dead of summer. It was 40 degrees probably every single day, and I loved it. I love the heat. I loathe the winter. It is one of the main reasons why I have the business that I do so that I can work from anywhere that I desire because I need sunshine in my life. I need that heat on my skin. It just feels so good. And I think maybe the last thing that I'm going to leave you with is I have an affinity for tattoos. They are also some of my favorite things. I think that, you know, being able to use your body as a work of art and display the things that you are, you know, connected to and feel feel called to and create beautiful things with your own skin. I think that's amazing. Uh, and eventually I will be you know, covered in them. I have so many ideas for things that I want to do. I'm, you know, maybe this year, maybe 2021 will be the year that I get a sleeve. We will see. Stay tuned for that. I hope that you have uh, gotten some insight about me and my life and maybe feel a little bit more connected in one way or another. Do me a favor and let me know what really resonated with you from this episode, what you found the most interesting, what you found the most fascinating, and take a screenshot of this episode, tag me in it over on Instagram, and I will see you next Monday. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please spread all those good vibes by leaving a five-star review, as well as screenshotting this episode and tagging at Babe over in your stories on Instagram. With love and light, the fiercest fuck goddess in me recognizes and honors the fiercest fuck goddess in you. And until next time, namaste.